everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. My name is Amin Reyna. I'm an investment coach here at Sage Investors, and this is episode 52. Um, today I want to talk a little bit about fintech. We're hearing so much fintech, 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 all the stuff about how technology is totally destroying, disrupting, you know, pissing off uh, the whole financial services industry, invest, the investment industry, and yeah, it's definitely some stuff is happening, and especially this newer iteration. And uh, it's what I really want to talk about is really how how technology, especially some of the newer services. And some of the older services out there have, have can contribute to uh, quite a good have contributed quite a bit to to improving financial literacy and improving um, the economics of investing. Um, but at the same time, um, could pose some challenges going down uh, down the road from what I see in terms of uh, how people invest. So let's just uh, let's just backtrack for. For a second, uh, to me, like the first iteration of fintech was really, you know, in the early 2000s, when really, and it was more really about disrupting the transactional nature of, of investing. Um, you know, we had you know discount brokers and online discount brokers where you could just set up an account and trade and uh, buy and sell stocks, and really that was a major event because it, it improved accessibility. A lot more people could access the markets. It was really restricted to a really kind of privileged kind of few segments of society. But now it's you know it opened up the mar- opened up the the market. More people can ex- access the markets, um, and it lowered the cost. Cost was came down quite a bit too. So from that perspective, the first iteration of fintech was was an important one and a pretty pretty valuable one since then we've seen a lot more development in terms of now getting away from the transactional nature of it to more I guess the behavioral side really of, of fintech and uh, there's just a lot just just we're just seeing so much in the last few years so many different types of platforms out there that are out there to try and assist people with uh, with making better investment decisions and being more being more specifically more financially literate and uh, and causing people to to be to take um, a behavioral action um, as a result of technology. Uh, one of my beefs, really, one of my, actually one of my observation is uh, with with fintech is how it can actually contribute to um, positively contribute to to improving people's financial literacy. The whole concept of just being able to get um, a text message or an alert or something um, telling people that you know your stock has fallen five percent or your uh, your your spending is has is accumulated to a to a high level over the month is kind of an important thing because it allows people to it's like a call to action and. Uh, there was a study done by the Federal Reserve in the United States talking about how how technology can go a long way to improving people's financial literacy, and uh, I think there is there is definitely a, a role that technology can have to contributing um, to people's financial literacy. So that's one aspect of it. But then the other aspect that we're I'm starting to see a lot more is we're seeing a lot more type of tools and products out there, fintech kind of products and services that are really going after the investing side of it and trying to disrupt the investing side of it, and it's a lot of it is kind of based around the premise as it pertains to investing that investing is really boring it's really complicated it's really you need like a PhD to kind of figure it out and what we're seeing is a lot of tools out there and services coming out there that are trying to address that component trying to take the fear factor out of investing and I just want to cite one uh, type app that's kind of, that's out there usually I don't kind of uh, talk about specific um, Tech, uh, companies and services and things like that, but in this case, I, I, I think it just it's appropriate to bring it up. And by the way, it's, I'm not endorsing it or anything. I'm just I'm just bringing it up as what's what's out there. Um, there's one company out here uh, program out there called Stash. 
and it's targeted really heavily to the millennial crowd. They got about, uh, last time I checked, they got a couple hundred thousand users, and uh, they're really targeting millennials, and especially millennials with very little experience in investing. Um, and uh, what they do is kind of just try to make investing fun, trying to make it more palatable. And a big thing that they do is it's all based on ETFs, and it's not about learning how to buy individual stocks, it's about buying ETFs. And again, ETFs are just becoming the thing now um, in the 21st century in terms of investing. But what they've done is just kind of taken all the complexity out of the ETFs and kind of really, I don't know if it's dumbing it down, but it's just making it more palatable. And so what they've done is they've re renamed, uh, you know, traditional kind of ETFs out there, uh, giving them much more colorful, fancy names. Like, for example, um, the one ETF that they have that they you know, promote out there is the Schwab Dividend Equity uh, ETF. Well, they don't call it the Schwab Dividend Equity ETF. They call it Delicious Dividends. Um, they have an ETF that invests primarily in stocks that Warren Buffett invests in through Berkshire Hathaway, and they call it Roll with Buffett, <laughs> which is basically another way of saying I'm buying shares in Berkshire Hathaway. A lot of what they're trying to do is built around a premise that Peter Lynch did about uh, many, many decades ago called basically saying buy stocks that you know and you understand. And so they're kind of pushing, I don't know, pushing is a bad word, but promoting um, stocks that they think that their target audience, i.e. millennials, are going to care about. So for example, um, think about uh, the environment. Um, so they have an ETF called Clean and Green. Um, defense stocks, defense ETF oriented ETFs, they have an ETF they brand, they sell called Defend America. Um, social media stocks, they have a, an ETF called Social Media Mania. So it's just, it's almost like when you hear these names, it's almost like like Ben and Jerry's or thinking like they're taking ice cream and kind of reformulate it into something more palatable and more exciting. Um, so it seems like the similar way. And you know what? I give them credit because they're trying, one of the things they're trying to do is they're trying to get people to engage in investing. And it really, that's a critical competency to have. From my experience in terms of successful investors, what I work with, they, they're engaged in the process. So I think it's kind of cool that Stash is trying to do this. It's an interesting take and it's, it's you know, let's see how it plays out. Um, as a mechanism to try to get people more engaged in the process. And so I think that's really, that's a cool thing. Um, how it plays out, we'll see. Now, if you ask me from my experience, I've been doing this for like about 20 plus, almost 20 years now. Um, the one thing I've learned about that, about investing, and God love it for companies like Stash to try to make investing more fun. The thing I've learned about investing is it can be extremely boring and it can be extremely iterative. And I'm probably dating myself and I'm probably gonna come out across as like a real old fart on this. I'm 45 years old, so, you know, pfft, pronounce judgment as you will. Um, but it's just my experience that, you know, I've analyzed and reviewed and worked over companies like, I've, like thousands upon thousands of companies. And really investing is just, and when I teach people how to invest, it's very much an iterative process. It's basically asking a bunch of core fundamental questions about a business and then after it, coming up with a basic idea of whether you want to buy and sell it. And it's basically rinse and repeat. It's just asking these eight questions. What's the company do? Who do they compete with? Um, do they make money? Is, is, what are the risks of the business? What is the balance sheet? What are they, who do they owe money to and who do they have? What money do they have? 
Is the stock cheap? These are the constant questions every stock I analyze and I blog about that I personally invest in. I'm always answering these questions and it can be really boring. It can, t it can be a very boring, iterative process. And you know, I've been doing it for so many years and I've analyzed so thousands upon thousands of companies, literally thousands upon thousands of businesses. And you know, I love doing this stuff, but I could see how somebody else would be extremely turned off on it. But that's what it is. That's, to me, the people who are really good at investing, who I've trained to be really successful investors, they have that competency. They, they have that competency to get in there and roll their sleeves up and, it's very, and get into it and just start analyzing companies that way. So as much as like you want to make things nice and pretty and make people press buttons on their phone to make them better investors, that might get them engaged into the process, but really to put you over the top, you still got to do a lot of the grunt work. So you know what? You might want to invest in the Defend America ETF, but you still got to open up the hood and see what the hell is in the Defend America ETF. And do I really want, and what are the costs associated with it? And do I want to be, uh, does this make sense for my portfolio, my risk profile? You still have to answer these very old fashioned, old farty type questions. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a factor there. So FinTech, I think, has a value and a place where it can promote financial literacy and probably encourage really good behaviors that can increase people's financial literacy. But on the flip side, um, taking things too simplistic, making things too simplistic might force people to just not want to do, have to do some of the grunt work that really is required in making good, successful investment decisions. So you got to take, there's a good, there's good, and there's bad with FinTech, and uh, you just have to weigh the pros and the cons uh, out of it. So I think there's value in there, but there's other things you need to be aware of with respect to some of these products and tools that are out there um, for your own personal investing uh, concept. So. Thought I'd share with you that because I know this is a big thing on FinTech. I was just at a conference this past weekend and uh, they were, you know, we had a whole whack of these different types of FinTech kind of companies out there promoting things in terms of loan lending, budgets, finance, investing, and there's, it's just running the gamut. And it's a lot of it is just trying to about um, trying to take the fear factor of investing out, uh, fear factor of personal finance, fear factor of investing, and try to make things simplest, simplistic. Simplistic is good, but to a point. So that's all I want to share with you. Um, if you have any questions about this, about FinTech, or want to weigh on, tell me if I'm full of it or I'm totally don't get it, feel free to chime out. You can reach, reach out to me through Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Sage Investors, or you can hit me uh, through my website, www.sageinvestors.ca, and uh, drop me an email through there. I'd be more than happy to hear from you and answer any questions you have, or you know, if you've got a topic you want me to weigh in on a future episode, more than happy to share it with you. So. That's all I got for you today uh, on Stock Talk. This has been Stock Talk. My name is Amin Arena again of Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Cheers.